Good morning. Welcome to Stony Brook United Methodist Church. We're glad that, so glad that you've joined us, whether here in person or online this morning. Especially if you're visiting with us, we welcome you, invite you uh, to, to stop by as you're leaving and introduce yourself. Uh, Pastor David Hoffman, I bring you greetings on behalf of Pastor Clara Kwan and our entire staff. Um, as we begin our time together, I want to point out uh, the flowers that are on the altar table here in celebration of the 45th wedding anniversary of Rich and Patty Kelly. We had to, to move them off the altar a little bit because of our beautiful um, altar uh, display celebrating our Children's Sabbath. Thank you to our visual team um, who has put that together. And also, I want to draw your attention to the flowers out in the narthex in celebration of the life of, of Bob Kessler. His service was here yesterday. Again, thank you to all of the staff and all of our, our musicians and choir and everyone who had a part in that, in that service yesterday. Thank you very much. Several announcements um, as we uh, join together. First, I invite you to fill out the connection card so that we might have a record of your attendance. Um, we, uh, there's places for um, you to list a prayer request. Uh, we'd be happy to um, lift your prayers uh, during this week, so you're invited to use that. And then on the back of the card, there's an opportunity to sign up for some upcoming events. Uh, first of all, I want to let you know about All Saints Day that will take place on Sunday, November the 6th. Uh, we will celebrate the lives of loved ones we have lost um, during this past year. In addition to reading the names of Stony Brook church members, we'd also like you to include the names of family members and friends who have died this past year. And you can list them on the back of your connection card. And these names will be presented on screen during our celebration of Holy Communion. Um, and you can submit the names of loved ones on the back of the connection card uh, or online on the online connection card uh, through Sunday, uh, October the 30th. Also, in addition to um, the reading of names, we're also creating a All Saints uh, Bell Day Bell Banner. Um, and during worship on All Saints, um, the bell banner will be carried into the sanctuary, and the ringing of bells will serve as a reminder to us of those who have significantly impacted our lives. Uh, consider all of the folks in your life who've helped guide you on your way, um, those who've led by example and taken time to care for you, a parent, a family member, a mentor, a friend. Um, these are the saints in our lives, and you're invited uh, to celebrate those saints um, and by pinning a bell on the, on the uh, fabric, on the ribbon, um, and those will be used to create a bell banner. So we invite you to do that. Stony Brook Youth will be having a fall retreat at Marmon Valley Farms November 11th through the 13th. Um, so if you would like more information about uh, the, the uh, youth retreat, uh, please see Jason Sheldon. And just an update about our trunk or treat that will take place next, uh, next Saturday. Um, we have all of the tables and the trunks accounted for, uh, but we still need candy. We provide candy for all of the trunks and uh, the tables where folks will be passing out candy. So we invite you um, uh, to bring in um, some more candy uh, now through October uh, 22nd. And today, um, or even tomorrow, will, will be the last day to sign up for meals with the pastors. Um, I think we've had about 20-some 20 20 meals with the pastors. Um, there'll be a wellness uh, opportunity after those meals, at least for Pastor Claire and myself. 
Um, but if you've not yet signed up, uh, we encourage you to do that. Uh, about 200 folks have already been a part of those meals, um, and this is one way for you to get to know us a little bit better and for us to get to hear um, your uh, story about coming to Stony Brook and what you, um, what you, uh, how you've invested um, in the church. Uh, so we invite you uh, to be a part of that. Friends, this truly is the day that God has given to us. I invite us now to be in worship together. I invite you, if you're able to stand and join with me in this morning's call to worship. We come before God as equal in God's sight. God knows us thoroughly and loves us completely. None of us is perfect and without blemish. God has called us children and asked us to be compassionate and responsible. We are called to joyful obedience in God's realm. Thanks be to God, who trusts us and pours abundant love on us. We have a fun Sunday school medley for all of us to share. Every Sunday school tune you've ever wanted to sing this morning. Please join us with great joy and enthusiasm. 
scripture lesson this morning comes from Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 27 to 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched them to watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy and bring evil, so I will watch them over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. In those days, they shall no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for their own sins. The teeth of everyone who eats sour grapes shall be set on edge. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I had made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest says the Lord, for I will forgive their inequity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of God for all God's children. For uh, special to children's Sabbath, we have a children's moment. So I invite all the children in the uh, congregation that are here to come sit up front here with me. All right. Cool. Awesome. 
There you go. You guys can sit right down here if you want yeah. to. Yeah. You guys can sit right down here. Awesome. Yeah. And turn around and just watch yeah. Pastor Claire. There you go. Hi. Look at all of all of these. This is amazing. I don't. I, you all have been hiding downstairs. I haven't had a chance to meet you all. You all know who I am. Thanks for coming. Thank you. My name is Clara. And your name is Clara. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. It's so it's so nice to meet you all. I've heard stories about you from your parents. So it is good. So I have a question for you. How many of you have a garden at your home? Ooh, yeah, you all have a garden. Have you ever tried planting something in your garden? Okay, good. All right, um, so I tried uh, to garden something. Um, I'm gonna show you what it looks like, okay? Um, yeah. What happened to it, do you think? It died. Why do you, why do you think it died? Okay, it wasn't using the full, that's a very scientific answer. What do you think happened? Why did it die? Because you didn't add water to it. I didn't add water to it, yes. That's right. So, um, if I add water to it now, do you think I can make it better? No. No. No, I, I agree. I don't think, if I were to add water to this now, I don't think I can make it better. But... Do you know who can make it better? Yes. Jesus. Yes. The answer is always Jesus, right? And God. Yes, and God. Uh, so sometimes when we make a mistake or if we choose to do the wrong thing, we think that we messed up for good, right? And that's what happened to the people in the Bible um, when we read the, the scripture this morning. God's people rebelled and rejected God, even though they promised that they were going to obey. So it was like as if God had given them a plant, and then they neglected it and forgot to water it. They messed up real bad, so that in the end, they were all forced to move to a completely different place, right? And so it seemed like the situation was hopeless. It seemed like nothing was going to make it better. But God had a plan. God and what God decided to do was make a new promise with them. They broke the old promise with them, and so God is going to make a new promise with them. And God said that he would make this new promise and he would write it on their hearts so that they would always remember, so that they will always know what the right thing to do. So it's like they no longer had to uh, remember to water the plant anymore. It was like God gave them an automatic sprinkler and so that they didn't have to, so that it would always have enough water, right? And so I pray that you all will let God to write God's word on your heart so that you know what to do each time, so that you can make the right decision to be kind to be gentle, to be patient, to be hopeful and joyful. And if you ever have questions, if you're confused, if you're not sure about anything, you can always come to me. You can come to Pastor David. You could go to your parents and your teachers and you see everyone out here. You can also ask them. 
We're all here to help you grow in faith. We all want you to grow up strong, to know Jesus, and to share Jesus' love everywhere you go. You are the plants that God has given to us, and we promise that we will not forget to water you so that you can grow big and strong. All right? Let's pray. Let's put our hands together, bow our heads, and repeat after me. Dear God, God, thank you you. for teaching us us your word today. today. We learned learned that you write write your words words on our hearts hearts so that that we will always know know to be kind, to be gentle, to be patient, and to be hopeful. Continue to bless us so that we can grow big and strong. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can follow your teachers now, and I think they have um, some lessons for you downstairs. O God, who calls us from death to life, we come this day to worship you, to turn our eyes away from a world that is hurt and seeks to hurt others, and we turn to you searching for relief. Open our ears to hear your words that are sweet to the taste, sweeter than honey, and let them be our daily meditation and our study. Equip us for every good work and inspire us, inspire our faith May our voices proclaim your message, for you alone speak the words of life, so speak through us. Yet even as we listen for your direction, other voices compete for our attention with teachings that suit our pleasures and desires. Our thoughts drift so far from your truth that fables and fancies begin to seem real. O Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds, and by your Spirit, convince, rebuke, and encourage us as only you can. Teach, correct, and inspire us. For far too long, we have decided that we know what is best for the whole world. We want to run the whole show, and we don't want to listen to you. But we pray, O God, that you would teach us how to listen to others' needs and wants, that instead of imposing our wills on everyone and getting off the track of discipleship, bring us back, O patient God. Shake off the dust of arrogance from us and nourish us with humility and joy. Help us to be the kind of disciples that serve you faithfully. We pray that you hear the cry of our hearts, see our actions, and know our attitudes. For those in need of healing, body, mind, and soul, for those who are grieving and in need of comfort and peace, in the midst of our brokenness and despair, reach out to us, heal, and forgive us, so that we may live in your love. We pray for our next generation, 
for our children and our children's children, that despite our failures, you can still raise up a faithful generation. I pray for your guidance and your protection over them. We pray for blessings that they may grow to be strong, resilient, and a generation of spiritual giants that build your kingdom far better than we ever did or could do. Unite us together, and may we become the peacemakers in every place we are so that the world may see that we are true and genuine disciples of Jesus. And so, as disciples of Jesus, we pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, we invite you to remain seated, but please join us after the children introduce Jesus' love.
of Children's Sabbath, we are taking up a special offering to benefit our Children and Family Ministries Endowment Fund. Uh, you're invited to use the envelope that you found in your worship bulletin uh, to contribute to this fund that will benefit Children and Family Ministries for many years to come. Uh, so I invite you to make an investment that will help us to nurture and increase the faith of the next generations. You can also give online uh, through our online giving portal. Um, just find the uh, Children's Ministry Endowment Fund. So uh, friends, I invite you if you're able to stand as we sing together our hymn of preparation this morning.
Pastor Claire and I thought we would do a dialogue sermon today um, since it's uh, Children's Sabbath Sunday and it's such a difficult text this morning. Uh, we thought we would uh, stir it up a little bit and, and just have a dialogue about, about this morning's text. So thank you. Um, thank you for allowing us to do that. I, you probably didn't have much of a choice, but thank you for allowing us to do it this morning. Um, so just to offer some background and some history, uh, the people of Jerusalem, um, by the time that we are reading Jeremiah's words, uh, have been uprooted and they've been transplanted into a foreign land with a foreign culture. And so they no longer have the same jobs and titles. Um, also, their very identity um, in God has been stripped away from them. Um, and that's because the land that they were living in was God's promised land to um, the people of Israel and Judah. And also because of the temple, which was God's presence. Um, and that has been destroyed. And so Jeremiah has been prophesying uh, to the people that because the people have rejected God and violated the covenant, uh, that is that the people have neglected the poor and the widows um, and are placing their trust in foreign powers, and the consequences of these actions will be that God um, will leave them at the mercy of those very foreign powers that they trusted in. Um, and this leads to exile in Babylon. And so Jeremiah preached that Babylon's conquest was inevitable. Naturally, no one wanted to hear that kind of defeatist talk, and so everyone was much more inclined to hear about how God's chosen people will triumph, that they'll be great um, in the face of their enemies, and all of that. And yet, in the end, Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians, and they are forced from their homes. So that's uh, not unlike our world today um, in the fact that many things around us has changed um, and some of us might not even recognize the world that we live in anymore. Um, even before COVID, um, just considering our generation, and, and I, I mean that for everyone that's sitting in this room, if you consider your lifetime, um, some of you all have seen or at least have been affected by at least one world war. There's been the Vietnam War, we've seen a civil rights movement, and then just technological advances um, it, within our lifetime. Uh, and how exponentially that has um, developed. Um, and so in a, many fundamental ways, our, our lives have changed. Um, and so just like the, um, the, the Jews finding themselves in Babylon, um, their life, entire life has changed. And so the question is, um, what does God want to do in those new spaces, um, in those new modes, and in this new era that we find ourselves in? Um, and so if we tie it into Jer Jeremiah's time, God destroying the temple was devastating uh, because not just because people lost their homes, but their very theological grounding had crumbled. Again, that temple um, was the presence of God. And so to destroy the temple means to destroy um, God in their lives. Uh, how, you know, the people are questioning, how are they going to believe in a God that is so easily conquered by a different God? Um, but that's from a human perspective. From God's perspective, he's destroying the temple in order to return to what was, which is that God can't be contained into a building, that God doesn't exist at one place or at one time, but that God can be anywhere with the people, even in a strange land with strange people. And so I think um, that God also had sent them into exile, not, uh, not just as a punishment, but that um, going back to the original promise that 
God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, where he said that he was sending Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. Um, in order to do that, he needed to send Abraham to go from his home. Um, and I think uh, the, the Jew, Jews in exile um, is a, a repeat of that. And so I think there are hints of these verses um, that Jeremiah spoke uh, to the people, especially in our verse today, which it doesn't sound very hopeful, and yet there is something in there um, that I, I think speaks to that. Um, so where do, where do you find hope in the yeah, text? <laughs> I get the, the easy question, right? But, and and I, did, I did bring some, um, some snacks for us. Um, some grapes um, this morning too, so you know if you would like to, to munch on those. But but where where do we find hope in this text? And I think it's a it's a great it's a great question. Um, and uh, usually in, in in the Bible study uh, that meets on Wednesday morning, somebody will ask a question, um, and then I'll ask a question back to them. I'm I'm not going to do that today. Um, but I think you know for me, you know we're not used to hearing prophets' words of warning, right? Or um, you know, those, those difficult words from the prophet, um, especially as part of the text when it talks about sour grapes and, and children's teeth being set on edge. Um, you, know, it, you know, today's world, we're more likely to, to kill or silence the messenger than to take time and, and listen and evaluate what, what the prophet or the messenger says to us. So I think, you know, I think spending some time trying to figure out uh, what this text means. Um, actually, I think it's a great text for today. Um, we'll get into that, I think, a little bit later. Um, but it's a great text for us to consider. And, you know, for me, hope begins with the very first phrase of the text, right? The days are surely coming. Um, you know, this phrase is mentioned twice um, in the text. And, and for me, when anything is mentioned twice, in a text, either from the words of our prophet or from Jesus, you know, it really means to pay attention. <laughs> so I think just paying attention to those words can be helpful. And granted, these words can sound haunting and, and ominous to us. You know, we might hear them as the days are surely coming and you're going to get what you deserve, right? That we're, we're in trouble and, and God is going to, to get us. I mean, we might hear it, hear it that way. Um, you know, for instance, growing up uh, in the Hoffman household, we would hear um, my mother's words of warning of the impending consequences of our actions, right? Wait until your father gets home. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, my twin brother heard that probably more than I did growing up. But um, usually those words, to use the words of the prophet this morning, would set our teeth on edge, right? We knew our, our misbehavior would be Soon discovered by our father, and then the options, right, for punishment would be presented to us. Um, but, um, you know, so often, as I mentioned a, a couple weeks ago, we are so conditioned to hear judgment, nothing but judgment, when it comes to reading Scripture. And we hold our breath for the punishment or the consequences that we, we know will surely be coming our way. And, and that's not really a faithful way to read, read Scripture. It's not a faithful way to read uh, this morning's text, because, you know, for me, the days are surely coming, you know, what if they're actually words of encouragement and support and not, and not words of warning in this text? You know, the days are surely coming, right? Words of encouragement and support are essential for us. Um, what if we hear it like that? I mean, just ask uh, the church staff. Uh, I often remind the staff we'll get there, right? Those, with those words, we'll get there. And they're not empty or, or dismissive words, but words reminding us that, that 
we're working together towards a common goal and purpose and that we need each other to get there. And what if, what if it's like that? The days are surely coming. What if the prophet's words are words of encouragement and support to us? A promise that we will soon receive, um, soon receive what we don't deserve, right? Not punishment or, or consequences for our, our lack of faithfulness or even God's reckoning for our past behavior, but what if the prophet is heralding like God's grace found in God's covenant, uh, the covenant that God wishes to establish with God's people? He says in the text that, you know, that I want to be their, their, their God and, and my people. You know, it's God's grace that we really don't, don't deserve. Um, and I find hope not only for others um, and myself, or not just words uh, hope for myself, but words of, for others, words of hope for others. You know, God promises to sow, and God promises to watch over while we plant and, and build up. And in, in the face of, um, you know, this rapidly developing uncertainty about their future, the prophet proclaims this message of new possibilities and a new covenant, a new way uh, of relating to God. I, I, think, I think it's so um, crucial that we to hear that message. And then the second part of the text, um, I think is the easier part. It talks about, about the covenant. Um, it talks about the covenant as uncon- un- unconditional. It's rooted in a, a forgiving God. God still chooses to be in relationship with us no matter how bad things get. Uh, last week, our guest, Tina, a participant in the Embark uh, program that assists returning citizens, she said this, the folks from Kindway... Uh, the program um, that works with those who are incarcerated. She said, the folks at Kindway know everything about me, everything that I've ever done, and they still love me. They don't withhold their love from me even when I fall short over and over again. And I think this is, this is the, an example of the kind of love that, that God extends to us every day. God, God knows everything about us and still chooses to be in relationship with us. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is a covenant that Jeremiah says that God wishes to establish with God's people. And this covenant's all about grace. And the prophet reminds us that God's not a grudge-holding God, but, but the, and God will not hold our past against us. But just like the words that we sung, um, uh, the, those, those camp songs, the covenant requires our response. And the covenant's supposed to be written down in our heart, right? Written in and on our hearts, not, not chiseled in stone and, and worshipped. The covenant is, is transformed not into something that we follow, but something that's at our very core, that, that God's promise is to permeate everything that we do in this life. In fact, our ability to live as covenant people will be judged upon how we be and become God's people, not how we follow the law. I mean, the law is important. It's there to help us to be faithful to God and to one another. But, um, but I think this text talks so much uh, about where we find ourselves even today. But given, given all of those characteristics, characteristics of the covenant, where do you see God's promises uh, interacting with this text? Yeah. So. A little bit easier question, I think. <laughs> uh, so there's um, definitely for God's promise, I think in the covenant, uh, there's a promise for, um, for life and for future. 
um, you know, at the very beginning of the text, God says that he'll plant seeds of human and seeds of animals, um, and that's, that's life, that's abundance, right? Um, animals were, um, you know, their way of living, um, the way that they provided for their families, and so if God is going to plant that, um, you know, it becomes um, abundant. And then for me personally also, God is always promising to me, uh, wait until you see what's next, right? Um, so whatever I'm going through right now, um, and if I'm struggling with something, it's, God will always whisper, like, okay, just wait. Wait and see. Um, and I think in whatever he does have for me, it's always beyond my imagination. And so I've, I've kept a prayer journal ever since I was 15. Um, every once in a while, I'll go back and I'll look, and it it's, amazes me every time I go back and read that the prayer requests I wrote back then, God has answered every single one. Um, and it's just... God has answered them in a way um, in a way that I didn't expect. God answered them in a in a time that I didn't expect, and so um, God is constantly waiting. Uh, God is constantly telling us to to wait to see what God is doing. Um, God is constantly working behind the scenes uh, for the next generation, um, and He's constantly working for the next resurrection, right? Um, the the exile for um, for the Jews in Babylon. This was this was death. There was nothing for them. They didn't have hope anymore. There was nothing for them. Um, everything that they knew was gone. And so, um, but God is working even in the midst of that death um, to plant for, for the future. Um, and like, this is nothing new. God has, God's next resurrection is all throughout the Bible. Um, you know, the sacrifice of Isaac, the valley of dry bones and Ezekiel, um, the healing of Jairus's daughter that Jesus does, um, even the, the raising of Lazarus. Uh, God is constantly working um, for new life and for um, resurrection. And I know that that's how God has worked in my life, that, that this is how God is working in the future. Um, and so there's, there's a hope and an excitement in looking forward to what God is going to do next. Um, and, and I think that hope is how we plant for the next generation as well. And so today being children's Sabbath and, and celebrating um, our children with us uh, is a question to think about how we're going to nurture the next generation. Um, um, so that God is calling us to plant um, the promises um, for, for hope and for joy um, and for excitement uh, for the future. And so um, that illustration that I showed with the, the plant during children's moment, um, you know, what are we going to do with the life that God has given us? Um, are we going to neglect it um, and let it die like that, or are we going to nurture it um, with, um, with God's hope? And so um, the question is, what are we showing our kids by our example? Um, what are we telling our kids with the words that we use? Are we showing them that the people only worth our time and understanding um, are people who look like us and act like us? Um, are we telling our kids that the people who disagree with us are not worth our time of day? Um, or are we going to show how much we love Jesus um, by recognizing that Jesus is in every person, and so we're going to love them regardless of opposing viewpoints or different beliefs or values? Um, are we going to um, talk about Jesus? Right? Um, Jeremiah quotes a proverb that was popular amongst the people, this whole sour grapes thing. Uh, the parents eat sour grapes, uh, and the children's teeth are set on edge. <laughs> um, so this proverb, we were trying to parse that at the Wednesday um, Bible, study, um, Bible study, and we came to the conclusion that what parents do affects their children. Imagine that. <laughs> um, and so I think 
Um, but what's amazing to me in the text is um, when God promises to create this new covenant, um, there's something freeing that God is also promising. God is establishing this new covenant where the children aren't um, bound by what their parents do. Um, and so in, in God is establishing this covenant to be their God, to write his word on their hearts um, so that instead of bound to their past, they are bound to God. And so um, how do you think this text relates to the next generation? Like I said, I, I, it always amazes me, the lectionary uh, text. I mean, we, we looked at the gospel, we're like, nah, that's not going to work. But we looked at Jeremiah, and it's always amazing to me how the scriptures chosen for this day always make a difference. Um, and, you know, and when we start making connections. And I think this text really has a lot to say about the next generation. Um, you know, on Children's Sabbath, we celebrate the children in our midst, but we also recognize the enormous needs of children, both in our community and, and worldwide. And, you know, working with the United uh, Women in Faith, whose mission is, is uh, solely uh, towards women and, and children and improving their lives. Um, they also work with an organization called the Children's uh, Defense Fund. Um, and uh, the Children's Defense Fund actually puts together uh, this Children's Sabbath, which is celebrated uh, worldwide um, in, in churches. Um, but in their latest uh, report, they, they publish a report, The State of America's Children, every year. And their, their latest report in 2021 they found that children who remain the poorest age group in America, with children of color and young children suffering the highest poverty rates. Um, they say nearly one in seven children, or 10.5 million, uh, were poor in 2019. And that's, that's really prior uh, to the pandemic. And nearly 71% of uh, poor children were children of color. Uh, more than 1.5 million children enrolled in public schools experienced homelessness during the 2017 2018 school year, and millions of children live in food insecure households, lacking reliable access to safe, sufficient, and, and nutri nutri nutritious food. Um, more than one in seven children, 10.7 million, uh, were food insecure, and black and Hispanic children were twice as likely to live in food insecure households. And an estimated 4.4 million children uh, under 19, age of 19, were uninsured. So, I mean, that's just a glimpse of the enormous needs um, here in our community, our state, and in our country. And you can see the full report at childrensdefensefund.org, and it even drills down into, into state numbers, and there are places that you can go um, in, in the state government to find community-specific uh, statistics. But, I mean, I think... You know, I think those, those needs are, are relevant, and I don't think it's difficult to equate those needs with the expectations that's presented um, in this covenant. You know, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, we have fallen short if we are judged by how we communicate and share this covenant with others. I mean, we fall so short, and we have failed to align ourselves with the hope found in this text if we don't plant seeds um, for the next generation. And, and I celebrate what we're doing, um, you know, as a, as a church, uh, as a congregation out in the community, um, especially around food insecurity and, and meeting the needs of children. I mean, you think about our snack pack uh, program, um, you know, it provides nutritious uh, food for folks who are in, uh, food insecure. Think of our summer lunch program. I think of our partnership with UMCH Family Services that, that you know, help to meet the needs of families. 
you know, we're doing great things, um, but these other problems are ours to solve as well. You know, too often we find ourselves sowing seeds of dysfunction and, and divisiveness into the next generation's lives instead of, instead of God's hope and grace into their lives. So, you know, I, th I think we have an enormous responsibility. And I found this quote that, that I think says it all. Uh, it says, children represent a hope beyond the death, destruction, and chaos that they've inherited. Listen to that again. Children represent a hope beyond the death, destruction, and chaos that they have inherited. That's the resurrection that you were talking about there. I mean, too often we fail to solve the problems of our own generation, and we pass those on to others. We transplant them into the next generation, and we just hope that they will do a better job uh, than we have with solving the world's problems. Um, you know, uh, we have so much work to do. And it, this covenant is not about disposing or even a judgment on the past, but this covenant is more about a refreshing or, or, or a renewal, a repentance, a turning back to God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah reminds us that God will forgive our iniquity and remember our sins no more. So, you know, he says the days are surely coming when God will make a whole new arrangement, one that depends solely upon God's unfailing love and unshakable faithfulness to us. And that relationship uh, would be one in which God would actually make some changes, beginning with transforming the people into people of faith who want nothing more than to love God with all their hearts and to honor God with their lives. Um, you know, I mean, I think that summarizes that, that covenant for me. It helps to speak to um, the next generation, um, generations, plural, that will come after us. Um, but this text got me to thinking um, uh, about sour grapes, right? That got me to thinking about wine, um, which got me to thinking about this illustration uh, that I love that really talks to us about our investment um, into the future. And uh, it's really a parable for us, but I want to, I want to share this story with you. Once there was a, a little village in the mountains where people grew the best grapes, the mountainsides were covered with vineyards and each family in the community faithfully contributed their share uh, to the community's making of wine. It was some of the finest wine in the world. This particular village raised several different varieties of grapes and each family would bring their offering of wine to the center of town and pour it into one large oaken keg. And as a result, the wine was a mixture of many varieties, making it very unique and difficult to replicate. Well, one particular year, um, the weather did not cooperate. We'd probably call that climate change now. But, um, but one particular year, the weather did not cooperate, and the vineyards did not produce an abundance of grapes. And one of the family-owned small businesses, one of the craft vineyards, decided that since things would be tight that year, they would sell their wine elsewhere instead of contributing it to the community's storehouse. They then filled the barrel, their barrel with water and poured it into the town's keg, thinking that one barrel of water in the gigantic keg would go unnoticed and not impact the outcome of the wine. 
Well, the wine in the community's keg aged for seven long years. And at the end of the seven years, the villagers all gathered around that particular keg, as they did annually, to to sample and sell their unique, well-sought-after wine to merchants who had come from all over the world. The entire community depended on sales of this annual wine release to provide uh, income until the next growing season. While the villagers gathered around the giant keg in anticipation as it was tapped, a pitcher was placed at the tap, and out came nothing but pure aged water. It seemed that everyone in the village that year had the same idea, and no one, no one shared their harvest of wine. Since everyone held back, there was no wine to sell. That's a parable for us. Friends, if we don't contribute, if we don't plant seeds, if we don't uh, nurture those seeds, if we fail to water those seeds, the seeds that you saw, examples of what you saw this morning, if we fail in that task, we have failed God. And we have the promise that we are not alone. The prophet reminds us that God will watch over us as we build, as we plant, as we invest, as we work for a world that mirrors God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Friends, it is our opportunity to give back to God a portion of what God has entrusted to our care. I invite the ushers to wait upon us as we offer our tithes and our offerings this day.
from you comes every good and perfect gift. We give you praise and thanks for all your mercies. Your goodness has created us. Your bounty has sustained us. Your patience has borne us. Your love has redeemed us. Give us a heart to love and serve you and enable us to show our thankfulness for all your goodness and mercy by giving you ourselves to your service and cheerfully submitting all things to your blessed will. We pray all of this through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us remain standing and sing together. love of God our Creator and the abundant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ our Savior and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you as you go forth from here to plant seeds of hope and grace. Amen. <laughs>